Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this episode where we are talking all about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. Yes. Okay. So this episode aired January 19th, 2022. It is directed by Kevin Tantarowen and was written by John Favreau. So, Caitlin, what do you think of this episode? I thought it was a fun episode. I think it is my second favorite episode of the season so far. Chapter two is still still holding strong at number one, gotta say. But this one was really fun. I I enjoyed a lot of the comedy and the sets in this episode. I just I had a good time kind of exploring Tatooine. I felt like when I was watching it for the second time, I was like, man, I feel like this is the most action heavy Book of Boba Fett episode we've gotten so far. Where I felt like, I don't know, there was a lot that happened with the Sarlacc pit, the rescue of the Boba Fett ship, and what else? There's a lot of stuff that happened. Oh, also getting Fennec back and just that flashback and everything there. I mean, I felt like we were waiting for this specific episode for a while, and now we are fully caught up to the promos and everything. I have no idea what's going to happen in the next three episodes. I feel like this is like the beginning of it, really, which is crazy to say because we're four episodes in, but in a lot of ways, I feel like this episode just really set up a grand finale over the next three episodes, and I'm really excited about it. Are you saying we're done with the flashback, does? I, I don't know. I kind of think we might be just because of the whole you're fully healed type situation. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if we're done with them, but we are totally caught up in the fact that they sort of like snapped their fingers and we got, you know, everything that basically happened in the Book of Boba Fett and then that ending scene and taking over Bib Fortuna's throne and everything. So I feel like we're kind of caught up that I would be surprised if we see it again. If we do see it again, I think it will be more like child boba on Camino. Like, I don't think we're going to get anything else in between. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about this, about if we're going to have more flashbacks or not flashbacks. I feel like in, I don't know. I like just can't imagine now an episode of boba just living in the present <laughs> and not <laughs> kind of zeroing in on him in the back to tank. And then, you know, flashback <laughs> to whatever, point in time we're going back to so I kind of hope that we have more I 100% don't believe that he is fully healed me neither you know me neither the almost very heavy-handed from Fennec of well what about the scars on the inside (laughs) I was like okay it's not almost heavy-handed that's pretty heavy-handed it's it's (laughs) heavy-handed I was like all right okay cool thank you for that I I'm picking up what you're putting down (laughs) John Favreau is not very subtle sometimes no no not at all (laughs) (laughs) but I had a good time with this episode I think I think you and I are both kind of obsessed with the kitchen scene and the whole kitchen chase that the whole caper uh, and I kind of feel like calling it a caper of them getting back Boba's ship I I just thought was really fun and sneaking Mm -hmm. into you know the palace Jabba's palace the Fortuna's palace getting back the ship everything that kind of ensued Um, the action there was really great but it was also just really light too especially like in the kitchen it was just it was fun and like boba chasing around that troy oh my gosh his ears when he was so scared and then turning himself off the clone wars of it all honestly (laughs) it was so good it was so cool to see that droid in live action again yeah i mean Again, we've never seen them in live action. It was cool to see that droid in live action because it's it was always so cute in The Clone Wars and here it is again, which I also think is really funny. I can't believe we're starting here, but in the <laughs> kitchen scene, there's so many funny things that were happening. Number one, the sous chef droid who has all the knives and then when he like was armed for battle, he became General Grievous. I felt <laughs> yes. like that was a really funny wink to you know the prequels in that moment. And then number two, I realized that that droid the one with the ears the I think it's called a lep droid they were the rat catchers because they had it had it had the the little net which is so cute but the sous chef droid referred to that earlier and I just loved that kitchen scene so much I thought that it was really well paced and I just really liked the environment and seeing that and everything and this show has done a randomly like a really good job of showing food and like banquet style (laughs) foods and 
like the bars, the sanctuary, just the lux, the luxury of it all that of course we would see the droids who were in the, the kitchen. kitchen preparing the food. Yeah. And I really loved it. I, this episode was really fun for me too. I'm with you. I feel like it was probably my second favorite and I like it. I think the title is interesting. The gathering storm. It reminds me of the high Republic <laughs> with the rising yeah, just storm. A little. <laughs> just a little. It's funny. Cause I wonder if they were going to call it the rising storm, but they couldn't. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. The gathering works too. And I know that's the gathering storm is a whole thing. So I get that, but I really enjoyed that and I think the title like definitely promises as well as like the last like five minutes of this episode promises a really big finale or just a lot of crazy stuff so I am very excited. Yeah I think this episode was kind of the calm before the storm Mm -hmm. and you know the storm is gathering and I think that the whole concept (laughs) of Boba being healed is a false reality for him because the storm is coming and I think this will be kind of our last calm-ish episode this episode wasn't calm but Mm -mm. I feel like it had a lot of levity to it too with some of the things that were happening obviously a lot happened with like Boba and Fennec together and why they're together now and you know Fennec choosing to stay with Boba and of course like her being rescued and what what do they call it what do the mods call it um modified yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that what it's called? Being modified? Uh, her being modified, kind of a big deal. But I almost texted you because Charlotte does not like like medical scenes and stuff uh, in This TV. was different though. It and, was different. Yeah, I know. But I thought about it. I almost texted you. And was like, Did I watch it when it was first airing? No, I definitely <laughs> looked away because I was like, oh, he he's coming out here with all these like yeah (laughs) scalpels you know I was like this is not gonna happen well they do like the wires where it was like I guess like power fluid going in and and also I I guess blood Blood. I don't know (laughs) yeah that was gross but it's fine whatever (laughs) I'm I'm pro mod gang and just the modders of Tatooine in general I think they're super cool and I like this introduction into this culture it's just super cool I I loved it and I also, I'm not sure I, I made the connection that that was what we were leading to with Fennec before because she already had a modified torso or or what. Like, I don't know why I didn't draw this connection before. Or if I did, I just promptly forgot. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool that I guess that Boba was already introduced to that culture from the fact that the modder saved Fennec. So then later on when they're with the the biker mod gang in Mos Espa, it's like a f- sort of familiar with that sort of culture. Not that that even matters, but I just thought it was interesting. And I just didn't make the connection that, you know, Fennec was also part of that in a weird way. Yeah, I guess I never thought about Boba actually taking her to be modified. Right. And it's stupid because like, yeah, why would obviously. I... Yeah. Why would I think that he he would do that? You know? And yeah, I also want to say one thing, just going back to a previous point about you asking if I think that we're done with the flashbacks and whether or not Boba is healed. I will say that if the flashbacks sort of represent Boba reliving trauma and reliving his past, I think that we're at a point now in the story where we're aware of the fact that Boba was dealing with the sorrow over what happened with the Tuscans, the sorrow over his trauma from his childhood, things like that. So I think that we as the audience are aware of that. And then Boba now has to take that trauma and like move forward with his own rulership of Tatooine. So I think that we're, we're at a point where like thematically it makes sense for us to not revisit those past traumas just yet. I think it could come up again when, if something like bad happens or something, but I think that's why we're moving beyond that. I think I agree, but I also think it's odd to have a series that has effectively been 50% flashback at this point to suddenly not have any flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we can decide that next episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, to be honest, at this point, I think I prefer the present day stuff than the flashback stuff. Over the past two episodes, I'm like, let's get into the action. Let's do what's actually happening here and why. Like, I, I just wanted to kind of fast forward it a little bit. And I was worried that I was going to feel that way towards the end of those flashbacks because we had already seen some pieces of it in The Mandalorian. 
And I was worried that we we're going to retread that a little bit and like waste precious minutes. <laughs> you know, you know, when you wake up and you watch the Book of Boba Fett or the Mandalorian and you see the runtime and you're like, okay, 45 minutes of brand new Star Wars. This is going to be so good. Well, if four minutes of those are stuff that we've already seen, I don't know. Maybe I'm greedy, but like <laughs> I want that new stuff, you know? So I was I was excited that we were like we really just zipped right to the present day and I'm here for whatever conflict happens next. Yeah. And speaking of the Mandalorian, you know, I know we had the great Mandalorian theme at mm-hmm. the very end of this episode, but I got to say hearing it in the first flashback when Boba effectively goes out and then finds Fennec, where it's it's kind of like a shooting star of the Razor Crest going off and you just hear the kind of it's like two notes, I think, of Din's. musical motif it was so cool I really liked it it showed me just it's like the music of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian fit really well together but hearing the Mandalorian theme within Boba Fett emphasized just how much these themes these musical scores exist independently of each other while still flowing like they belong in this in the Mandoverse effectively and yeah. I thought it was really cool. And I really liked the beginning with the first kind of, da-na, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the episode. I really love that part. It is such a reminder of how iconic that score has become. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so good. I will sing its praises forever. But I'm always astounded sort of about in this like 10-year period that we've gotten a bunch of new Star Wars and with it a bunch of new musical themes, how quickly my psyche associates them with certain pieces of the story, certain characters, certain, you know, effectively a motif and how fast I associate that. And it happens on like a subconscious level at some point. And I think it's super cool. This was a really good example of it being like, oh my gosh, that was the Mandalorian's theme. Even if I hadn't listened to that in a while or it really worked for me. In fact, uh, my parents also recognized it, which is, cool because when I was talking to them, you know, stuff like that sometimes goes over their heads, even though they watch everything. And I sort of appreciated that, that it didn't go over their heads. And I was like, (laughs) you know what, that's the power of music in that moment. It is. Super cool. Okay. The other kind of quick thing I wanted to mention while we're, I think, kind of going over some of our bigger feelings and like about the episode before we kind of dive into Boba and Fennec, the stars of this episode, especially. We had no Camino in this episode, which if you listened last week to my super intense Attack of the Clones versus Book of Boba Fett comparison, Kamino was a big piece of this. And this is the first episode we didn't have Kamino. And we also didn't have someone tell us the fun fact that the Dune Sea used to actually be filled with water. We didn't mention the Dune Sea, but it was just, it was when Boba sent off his his Bantha friend, you know, go roam the Dune Sea, make Bantha babies. (laughs) Best thing ever. Best thing ever. Boba the animal lover is my favorite thing possible. I think it's so funny because like him and Ezra would get along so well. Can you imagine? Mm, would they? Well, like they would bond over their love of animals and their okay, ability. Maybe. But you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe Boba would be friends with Ezra. I don't know this about, Boba. you know. Past Boba. No, no. No, no, this Boba, this Boba yeah. who loves animals. I mean, can you just okay. imagine Boba Fett and like a Loth cat just following him around? Yeah, I can't imagine that. And that's crazy that I can imagine that it's now. So cute. <laughs> so the cute. Bantha game in the book of Boba Fett is so overwhelmingly cute. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They were like, we need to make these creatures even more. You know, you loved them sort of anecdotally before, but now yeah. we have plush, the merchandising opportunities. It just, we, we have to, the, the puppets look really, really good. Like they look really good. good. Yeah. And I think that the Bantha itself was shot really well. Like I like the tail wagging. It was cute. It wasn't weird. Sometimes these things kind of go over a little bit into weird in like a negative way, not in a good way, but not, not the Bantha for me in this episode. The tongue was a little much, but it was fine. It was cute. <laughs> um, yeah. I liked when he was he like, when she was kind of licking her lips, like, yeah, I'm, I'm hungry too. <laughs> yeah. I just, what I think is so funny about the Banthas is that they move so slow, <laughs> but I guess it's like, it's better than walking. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's what you have. And when, Fen- when, you know, Boba sent away their Bantha and she was like, 
we might need it, you know. But I was like, yeah. really? You're not outrunning anyone on a bantha. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, th- I, I like to, I think banthas are pretty similar to like elephants, you know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the similar vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I you guess. were to uh, put them side by side, I don't think they're horses. You know, they're not no. like the tauntaun. No. They are like elephants slowly moving through the world. <laughs> But they're brilliant at the same time, you know. And have a, a you know, an elephant's memory, but for a bantha's memory. Yes. I really like the bantha. I, when the bantha wagged her tail, I kind of lost my mind when I was watching it for the first time. I just thought it was so cute. And yeah, yeah we continue to have Boba caring for animals really well. Speaking of animals, the Rancor, we did not get a name for Boba's pet Rancor, which I was kind of bummed about, going to be honest. But putting the dinner with all of the other families on Tatooine over the 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 bantha the rancor pit genius i genius. i did i didn't even realize really that's where we were until the rancor you know shook the table and everything thought it was really great one has to think like what was happening there was that that was totally staged right threat by boba and fennec yeah. I was like, uh, by the set design? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But also, no, that within the story, it was yes. totally staged that Fennec and Boba sort of riled up the, the rancor in that moment to make that very aware that there was a rancor underneath them. Yeah. Well, I think Danny Trejo yeah. is down there. Yeah. And, yeah, me too. you know, <laughs> tells the mm-hmm. rancor, it's showtime, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and action. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think it was staged very well to be over uh, the rancor pit to be a little bit of intimidation I guess because maybe it's gotten around that there is no rancor there uh anymore like when the what is it the the prisoner the assassin realized there wasn't rancor there maybe it got around but now it's no 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 there is there is one rancor there now yeah I agree also just to circle back because I don't think I adequately responded to you talking about how there was no discussion of previous water on Tatooine I think it's okay. It's fine that we didn't didn't get more information about that. Uh, I still think it's important and an important detail that came up in the first three episodes of this. So something to watch. I think you did. I think there was a Dune Sea mention, but there wasn't a used to actually be a sea sort of mention. Yeah. And I think if we're tracking this sort of Attack of the Clones comparison, um, yeah, there wasn't really that, but it's okay. We'll we, we'll we'll see what happens yeah, with it because yeah, I it's, I it's still okay. think it's I'm very fine. important. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did get the seismic charge though, and we do have the seismic charge in Attack of the Clones too. So we had that at least. <laughs> yes, we did. We did with the Sarlacc pit, which was very intense. You know, Boba going in there, I was like, Bestie. It's not there. The armor is not there. Remember the Jawas. I know. I know. And it's just, I was like, how did you think that it was there? Didn't you wake up? It was just, it was, that was interesting to me. Yeah. But I liked the whole like venge- vengeance of them going back there. It was so daring to me, the way that they angled the ship. I was like, this was is cool. not going to end well. It was super cool. But once again, just like I felt with the Mandalorian, I just, don't understand the gravity situation in that ship and how things move on an axis or a tilt. I thought I understood it when we saw it in the Mandalorian, when the basically the volume in the back like moved around it when they were being lifted up. I remember that very clearly. But with this, I was like, we're really playing with the the gravity situation <laughs> of the ship. I'm here for it. It looked super cool and I loved it. But there's also something funny to me about how Lucasfilm loves nothing more than to create a sequence in which a tentacled arm is pulling down a ship or (laughs) going around a ship or something. And I was also reminded that this Sarlacc pit is like a special edition edit. And it's funny because I, Caitlin grew up with the special editions. I did too. So like, I don't remember that being that different before then or anything like that, but I mean, it's cool to have that continue, I guess, with that look yeah. of of the Sarlacc pit post-special edition. 
Yeah, I didn't even realize that either until you sent me the tweet well, that was like, talking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. 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 Like I did Jedi have Rock that fun fact buried in my Latinx head somewhere. And yeah, it's like that kind of stuff to me is very um, jostled in my brain about like, oh, yeah, that used to look different. And it doesn't now, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think this episode, I I think I finally got it about Boba's ship. Mm-hmm. Like why it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was cool when we saw it in the Mandalorian, but like, did it really click in this one? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that we're supposed to like the inside is all on hydraulics and suspension. Like mm-hmm, that's sure. a bit. And it's so, fake, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just so you know it's not real. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, got that. Um, but I think even in space, it's on hydraulics. Yeah, <laughs> in the galaxy far, far away. But everything, like with how it, I feel like we just got to see the range of motion with the ship really a lot in this episode. And I know that we saw it a lot in Attack of the Clones too. But I think that, I don't know, I guess I just appreciate it more this go around and everything when they were at the Sarlacc pit. And it's when Boa, when Fennec got out of her seat, that's when I kind of better understood Mm -hmm. some of the mechanics of it. When when she fell into the dome, into the windshield, I guess (laughs) that's what you would call it. That whole sequence was just so cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I liked her in the windshield and the, the Sarlacc kind of coming up too. I thought that was really fun. But the the best part, though, I feel like was when Boba sort of wordlessly picks off that biker gang one by one oh, yeah. in the ship. I was like, man, this is quite the sight. <laughs> like no words are exchanged, just looks between Boba and Fennec. I thought that I thought it was really well done. And I thought it was shot really well, too. There was a couple this episode particularly. I was like, this is well shot. Um, I know that there had been some chatter online about like critiquing the look of the series and some of like the sets and everything. But this this episode specifically, I didn't have any sort of reservations about sort of the sets or anything like that. Like I thought anytime there was like Boba riding the Bantha through the desert, I think that the fireside scenes were really well shot, really well lit. And like it was just like gorgeous like even when Boba was sitting against the Bantha and things like that and that specific shot that I was talking about before about the the ship sort of picking off the biker gang I thought that that was really well edited and really well shot in the in in the way that I was like this is exactly what I would imagine I don't know it was like I got everything I needed in one shot I guess Um, I'm not super good at talking about that but I really appreciated it I don't know I just I, I thought it was well done yeah, I think there are definitely some areas or moments, sequences in the Book of Boba Fett that could be better. Like, I think yeah. we're all thinking about the the biker scene with mm-hmm. the mods in episode three. And I think there are some shots where it's clearer to me that we're on the stage of the volume and like some of the... Me too. I don't know. I don't even, I can't, I don't even want to call it like CG, but you can just tell there's a little bit of that disconnect, I think. But overall, honestly, I think the book of Boba Fett looks great. Yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> even like with the Tuscan village, knowing that that was like shot in a parking lot is just mm-hmm. wild well, oh, to me. What I, what I was specifically thinking about is actually all the shots of the palace. I think were done really, really well. Oh, From yeah. when everyone was walking away, I was like, the lighting here is really great. And the mood established was really well done. And like anytime Boba and Fennec were looking over the cliff into That's what I was the palace, say. That looked really it good. looked super good. I was like, wow, this is a shot. And I want to get like a screen capture of it and make my background. And I feel like that's always a good sign, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I really loved Fennec's little droid that went in and mapped the palace so and I I thought it was really I don't know it was just kind of fun like this flashback going through the palace and like seeing the Gamorreans and being like oh there are guys yeah (laughs) there are friends I don't know (laughs) your friends but yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well you know you can't have them when they turn out to have hearts of gold in the end of this series so so you know (laughs) trust no one trust no one (laughs) (laughs) it felt like that that to me kind of had that caper feeling to it with that Mm -hmm. uh pacing that tone of just 
a little bit more lighthearted. You know, we know they're going to get the ship back and we can just kind of enjoy the ride, enjoy this droid kind of going behind all these people that we're going to come in contact with later on in the series, but none of them know it. And I don't know. I kind of always like that. It felt like that music montage in uh, like a heist film or a keeper film of like getting the plan ready. And I always like those montages. I always think they're really fun. Me too. It's a crucial part of the heist. It is. We know. Yeah, as yeah. as we know, yeah. We do have an episode all about heist films and how Solo fits into that, if you're interested. It's a low-downloaded episode, <laughs> as, <laughs> as we'd like to talk about. Anyway, it's a really it was a really interesting one. episode, actually. It was a passion yeah. project, okay? Anyway. I really like if Solo is a heist film. Me too, me too. Anyway, one thing I wanted to talk about, and maybe it's – I think we've just been kind of like talking about our favorite parts and what we really liked and everything, but – one thing I think we probably should get into is what do we know about Boba Fett right now? We're four episodes in. Who is Boba Fett and what is important to him? This episode, I think, is one of the first times that we're hearing Boba Fett actually talk about that. And I think this has been a critique of the series from some people of, and we've talked about it on the show, too, of not having... It's like, what ultimately is Boba's motivation? Is it revenge? Is it power? Is it money? Like, what is it? Because he's been, as we've described him, very stoic. And I think there's this really interesting divide that kind of happens in this episode where when he's with the Tuscans for what I think we're supposed to assume is at least a year that he's with the Tuscans based off of how he talks about the uh, his time at the Sarlacc pit. When he's with the Tuscans, Boba's very silent, even though he talks to the Tuscans, right? And like he's learning their sign language and everything like this. It's not the kind of communication where they're talking back and understanding one another. And after they are killed by the biker gang, that whole montage of Boba grieving and everything, it's silence. Boba doesn't talk a lot. I guess what I'm saying is in our flashbacks when Boba is with the Tuscans, there's not a ton of dialogue and all of that. But now that I think we can assume that Boba feels closure, some form of closure from what happened with the Tuscans, with his Tuscans, um, and enacting that revenge on the biker gang, that is when it's after that moment that he actually starts talking about it. And we finally hear about his feelings about the Tuscans, how he felt a part of their family, and how he feels guilt about basically, you know, starting this war with the biker gang by, you know, killing them first. But like basically making the first move and teaching the Tuscans how to do it is what drew the biker gang to eventually kill the Tuscans while he was away. And I don't know, I, I, I think that's pointed in the story that it's only once he gets that closure and acts that revenge, I guess we could say, that he actually starts talking to Fennec about what his next steps are and him realizing through all of that, that because he had to go to the Pikes and then go to the biker gang, the Tuscans, like being this middleman, that's all he's ever done. But before he didn't have anything to lose by being the middleman. And when he finally did have something to lose, he actually lost it with that family that he had formed with the Tuscans that I think for the first time we're finally hearing him verbalize just how much it meant to him. I think that's absolutely true. And I think in our notes you had written all Boba wants is a family. And I just kind of want to expand on that a little bit because I think that in Star Wars, family means a lot of different things, right? It's not your traditional family. It can be your found family. It can be just someone that you're with forever. It could be so many different things. And um, I think for Boba, it's pretty clear that now he, you're so right, Keelan, but I think it's pretty clear that what he wants is like freedom and also companionship. Yeah. And I think those two things are interesting and sort of not necessarily like paradoxical because they're not, but like sometimes they don't go together in the same way. Right. But um, I think that with Boba trying to like reinvent himself and renew himself and things like that, I'm I'm thinking about his father Django and how Django's like choice when he got involved with the cloners on Camino was to have an identical clone of him without like growth accelerations to be created for him to have a son to create a family. 
And then, of course, when Boba is young, like around eight years old, Jango is taken from him. So there's a sort of this repeating cycle, I feel like, of his father just wanted him. And that was that sort of uh, family was ripped from Boba. And now Boba has a chance to renew and like what comes of that feeling? What is that feeling? And I think that in the last episode, we talked about how the, like the word family was being thrown around so much in, in terms of like the mob and the yeah. gangsters and things like that. And I was, I sort of like positioned it that it's more than that because to me, it's really important that that word is used. Like even in this episode, Fennec doesn't say, oh, you're creating a family, like, <laughs> which is, uh, she's not going to say that, but there's, you're, you're, you're doing something different. She says, you're, oh, are you really making a house? And then only later is it referred to as a family. And I think that like for the audience, we're supposed to make those two connections. And so now when Boba has this palace and he's sort of like amassing this group of like misfits, (laughs) I love it so much because it's just like a, a group of all these different people who've been wronged in their life, who want freedom and also want loyalty. So all of these things go together. And that's exactly what Boba offers Fennec around that fireside chat. You know, there's whenever there's a campfire in Star Wars, you're going to get good conversation. Good it's stuff. just good. It is good stuff. It's from Ray and Kylo to Solo to this entire series. Let's be honest. It yeah. is good. And also The Mandalorian, you know, it's constant. It's endless. <laughs> fireside chats are good. <laughs> and I just feel like, I, I love the direction that it's going and that Boba has been wronged so many times in his life that he's like creating this palace of all these different people who need need a different place a to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the depressed rancor to like even black no. Chrysanthemum. He's right? there like, now. <laughs> he's there now. And like that guy couldn't be more angry. He has the angriest <laughs> eyes. <laughs> but he has this sort of like like this weird kinship now with Boba because that's what Boba offers him this hand you know and I just think that that it will extend it's just fascinating so if we really are leading towards this like war for like what's right for Tatooine which I love by the way I love that we're going towards that even if it's not what we had predicted with the sea or anything like that if that doesn't happen that's fine but just this concept of getting back what's like rightfully like changing what is wrong I love that concept I really do what I think is cool about the character of Boba in this series so far is that one okay one you know we have a saying on the show of Star Wars is tragedy right and you think about the character of Boba and you know the last time he was cared for was with Jango and that was taken from him for a very long for a very long time you know as we said as we know, when he was eight years old, a young child. And so being with the Tuscans is the first time that he's been in a community that cares for him. And I imagine that that probably affected him a lot. And I think what you would kind of expect in a story is that when a tragic backstory like this happens, where a character like Boba loses this community that he felt a part of and felt loved by, that that character becomes like more hardened, more violent, ready to enact revenge, everything like that over and over again, like no mercy for everything he's lost. You know, like no one had mercy on my family. Why should I have mercy on yours kind of thing? But I think we've seen Boba kind of pivot the other way of more soft, (laughs) of uh, if you, you have this debt to me, Fennec, if you help me, that would be great. And then you're free. Just tell me where you want dropped off. You know, he tells Chrysanthemum not to work for, what is it called? Scug, scug bags? Something like that. Uh, sets him free. You know, it's just business. He isn't mad at the families for not wanting to partner with him. He's just like, yeah, don't uh, screw me over, which we, we'll talk about that later uh, if they actually will screw him over in the end. But he just wants people to have choice, I think, in all of this and to cut out the middlemen that are kind of wreaking havoc on Tatooine because that's the root of what caused him to lose the Tuscans, his community. And I don't know, I think it would have been really easy to have the same backstory with Boba Fett here 
and, you know, turn up that bounty hunter aggressiveness a hundred percent more. I think we, a lot of people probably expected that kind of story with this tragic background from him on Tatooine. But I like that instead it's, you know, Boba giving treats to all these different animals and bringing in misfits. And yes, we do see him enact revenge and he is still a bounty hunter who knows what he's doing. But it's it's different than I think the route we could have gone. And he seems genuine in wanting things to be better on Tatooine for the people of Tatooine. Totally is, you know, kind of unexpected, honestly. Well, it's really nice. And I love the quote of him saying, I'm tired of our kind dying because of the idiocy of others, which I think is just like such a good, I don't know, (laughs) workers' rights anthem. Like it's so good. Yeah. And and then later, just again with the fireside convo, it was just a chef's kiss. You know, Fennec says, living with the Tuscans has made you soft. And he says, no, it has made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's mean, the quote. <laughs> that's the quote. First off, we're talking about like, oh, man, like it's so nice to see like Boba, like the softness of it. But that's not the whole story, right? And, and he says it himself. I was actually yeah. shocked that that was like a said. Boba line. In, yeah, that no, it has made me strong. And like that's just having this sort of sense of conviction is – so awesome and it is it makes for the most interesting story to me for Boba Fett yeah I agree I I thought that was a really great quote and yeah the the uh, quote at the beginning too of you can only get so far without a tribe is right I think I feel like we've kind of been talking a lot about Boba's like inner monologue and his mantras (laughs) and the you know fate steps in to rescue the wretched I think is one of them and then this of you can only get so far without a tribe is the other. And again, just imagining that like Boba has lived his life alone, 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 um, even though there are a million of him out there of clones and that he's come to this place in his life where he realizes that this is what he wants and he's sticking to that plan. I think that's really great. And I think this is why I stand Boba Fett now. <laughs> So the question that I have is, do you think that that's the reason why Fennec is staying with Boba is for like this specific reason is her seeing that sort of conviction in Boba or do you think it's something else? (sighs) Like, is she playing a longer game? I I didn't talk about this on the last episode because it feels dangerous to even bring up. But (laughs) in my thought about I don't really trust anyone, I do think someone's going to turn. There's always like, if we can consider which why not if we can consider (laughs) the book of Boba Fett in this structure of like heisty kind of vibes there's usually someone who foils the plan or like double crosses I don't know if it ever would be Fennec but I just wanted to put this on the table as something that could potentially happen I don't know if this episode gave me a strong enough case for why Fennec stays. I think previous to this episode, we had thought that Fennec had like a life debt to Boba and she does, right? Like that's not, that wasn't really disputed in this episode. It's pretty clear that Boba saved her life and she is aware of that and things like that. But there wasn't this like, I pledge my servitude, which is like, you don't want that anyway. But yeah, but her debt was paid and Boba agreed that rescuing the ship meant that they were even right and so she says that you know I'm along for the ride which I loved that line and I think it's also totally fine if she is along for the ride to see where this ends because I think that she I wouldn't say she's like a vagabond but she's been around the galaxy for a long time she is a legendary assassin Fennec Shand so she has had a lot of journeys a lot of different paths in life that's what I assume especially from seeing her in The Bad Batch. But I still am just unsure purely if she's like on board with his creed, with his mantra, with his who he is in this moment. I think she is, but she's definitely different than him. Yeah, absolutely. You said too that the episode didn't give you a strong enough reason why she stayed. And I agree with that. I was something I was thinking about the whole time. I think there's totally a version of this where Fennec betrays 
Boba Fett or does something for their goal that goes against Boba's current morality that he would be yes. upset about, uh, sacrifices yes. someone in order for them to get the upper hand, Some, something like that. I can see that happening. I can also see her flat out betraying him too. I think that Fennec stayed in part because I think she was interested in the power and the, I guess, like the treasure <laughs> of, you know, helping Boba create this house. I feel like their relationship has probably changed as they've pursued that goal together because if she didn't think like it's either two things right she either believes now at this juncture in the present in what boba is doing and just not his methods all the time or she's playing the long game and whatever reward she's got at the end of this is worth it to her to stick around but maybe like I don't I guess the other question for me would be is Fennec working for someone else or is she just going to overthrow Boba herself? I think she might if if Fennec's going to betray Boba, I feel like she might try to just overthrow him and take his position as Lady Fennec. <laughs> I don't know what she would want to be called in the palace in Jabba's palace. But I kind of I don't want her to betray him. Like, I want to trust Fennec. <laughs> Me neither. I don't really want it either. I don't know if it makes for a really good story, but yeah, I don't know. I think the story of if it is the bigger war of the crime syndicates and it's not just the pikes at the end of this line, right? If it is someone like Crimson Dawn or the Emperor, the uh, First Order, I think that's a more interesting story and there's not... There's not necessarily room for Fennec to be the betrayer. But if the huge plot twist at the end of this is that it is Fennec, then it's probably like we're probably just looking at the war with the Pikes, if that makes sense. Like, I kind of think we're looking at two plot twists here. Either it's Crimson Dawn or the First Order, something like that, or it's Fennec betraying him. Mm -hmm. I feel like those are kind of the paths we could go that would make a really big splash at the, the end of this season. That I would say about that is that is then is it too similar to Solo with Kira in the end basically betraying Han Solo? I don't know if I think about Kira as betraying Han Solo of just rather than just like abandoning him um or not a, pursuing her own goals. <laughs> Well, is that not the same thing that we're suggesting about Fennec pursuing her own goals there? But Kira wasn't, Kira leaving Han was not vindictive. True. It was sad. It was sad. Like she wanted to stay with him, but she didn't feel she like couldn't. she could. Whereas yeah. I think Fennec would be a little, I think Fennec would be different. I think at this juncture, Fennec would feel bad, mm -hmm. but I think she would value, if that's the route her character is going, valuing yeah. her power the reward that she gets whatever it is at the end more than boba whereas i don't think that's that's not what how i would describe kira in that moment yeah like for me i don't even just talking this through i'm not sure if i, I i've obviously been thinking about fennec being someone who could potentially betray boba along the lines just honestly based off of those earlier interactions it's like I even talked about this with the Gamorians it's the same reason I'm not sure I fully trust the Gamorians it's just I don't really Dude. trust anyone so when it comes to Fennec like she seems to be a little harsher she's always real like Boba feels like I feel like Boba is like reeling her in you know and like harshing a little bit more of her assassin tendencies and that's fine I just wonder how that manifests later but even just talking about this, it's like, uh, I want Fennec and Boba to be on the same side. So I hope that happens. Like, I hope yeah. that continues. And I want to set our sights a little bit differently now. So we had a really great moment with Garza Fwip, who's played by Jennifer Beals, the Twi'lek owner of the Sanctuary. What do we think about her and her absolutely scene-stealing scene when she stopped Black Chrysanthemum or tried to stop him and then he didn't? I don't know. That was bold. Made me really realize that she has power even if it wasn't useful for Black Kersantan. But what do you think about her? And her, her outfits are amazing. We know, you know. 
<laughs> so I can't talk about her amazing you can outfit. <laughs> talk about her amazing outfits. They're amazing. It's just um, it is a known fact. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that scene was great. I honestly one of my favorite parts of that scene was Boba just watching all of it unfold and yeah, just kind too. of it, like it, they would just shoot to him the camera would pan to him every once in a while and he would just be like wide-eyed like okay cool what's gonna happen yeah. next <laughs> it's so good. I, I thought that was really funny yeah I kind of think the sanctuary is this like what are we doing there like there's a reason we have this every like, time set piece we've got Jennifer Beals here doing her thing something a little off always happens at the sanctuary but it's not we're not there every episode it's not like Jennifer Beals has ever come to Jabba's palace. There's never been like a deal brokered between Boba and her. I don't know. It's very interesting that like, are we just supposed to be enjoying the view here <laughs> and like the action sequences? And Max um, Rebo. And Max Rebo. When she addressed him directly, was like, hit it, he, Max. Hit it, Max. <laughs> we're, we're blessed. We're blessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know what to make of all of it honestly this was my question for you though uh you know of who do you trust the least in this episode is it fennec is it garza whip is it uh chrysanthemum is it the rancor and danny trejo who do you trust the least coming out of this episode well it's not the group that was at dinner because I actually believe Boba when they were all walking out from dinner which by the way it's just the vibe of that entire thing of these Trandosians just like leaving dinner <laughs> straight from the palace I was like this is a really funny scene and I I love it I, this is so random but whatever oh, I'm sorry can I interject real fast yes do you know what I thought of when they're like on the balcony at the end talking about the Mandalorian Aladdin yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was very much like I'm on my balcony I'm brooding I'm talking and here right? comes a magic carpet yeah it was very much like that, I'm so, I'm so that too. I was like where's Raja the tiger yeah. it was very like that's kind of how it was staged whatever um okay so who do I test trust the least it's not the Trandosians again because I believe what Boba was saying when they were all walking out about like do I, does he trust them? No, but it'll be fine. And I agree because it felt like that scene was like, we're getting them all together to talk about things. And like, that's going to be it. We're moving on to something where I don't, I don't really think they're like huge set pieces in this war with the pikes that is coming up. I think that they are supporting pieces in Boba's own war. If that makes mm, sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't really care about them, but in, in your <laughs> list of who do we trust the least Fennec, Garza Fwip, the droid, like Black Chrysanthemum, the Rancor, all these things. The I mods. trust the mods. No, I trust the mods with my life. Okay. Just kidding. I don't because I don't trust anyone. But okay. The <laughs> Garza <laughs> Flip is the one I don't trust just because I know zero about her. Like how, why does she have so much power? She has the most opulent bar. It's like you said, what is this set piece? It's amazing. It's the best looking set piece here except from the palace is, looks pretty good too but this is the most <laughs> unique set piece right we have all these different puppets and characters and opulent costumes I feel it she has something up her sleeve I don't know what it is but she knows she knew things before Boba did and how did she know them I don't know there's also mm. the question of the mayor is still kind of around <laughs> I miss the mayor <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> where did he go? What's up with that? There's there's all these things. So yeah, I trust Garza Fwip the least. I feel like she's coming back. And I maybe she has some deep connection with someone else. Not sure what, but I can't wait to find out. I think you're right. I think she's probably the one I trust the least. I probably trust everyone else but her. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of trust the Mons. I definitely trust the Gamorians and the Rancor. Danny Trejo is still out. And I I'm going to I'm going to say I trust Fennec too. But okay. yeah, I think you're right. She's the one we know the least about but has the most pomp and circumstance about her. And I think you bringing up that she kind of always knows what's happening in Tatooine before anyone else is really telling. To me, she's kind of like another version of Sid from the Bad Batch who just kind or of Maz even. Yeah, yeah. Who kind of just knows everything um and everyone knows her as well. Someone, um, I think on Twitter was talking about this, about the fact that her, 
the sanctuary has plants in it and how that could be seen as like luxury on Tatooine, Mm -hmm. which I think Mm -hmm. is just a cool thing to think about. You know, we're kind of exploring Tatooine and its resources and the sets and everything like that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think Garza Fwip is the one to watch out for, honestly, at the current moment. Okay. So the next question then is, what is up? We, we I think we know that Din Djarin is coming onto the show, right? Like he's coming. it's happening. He's coming. Not in the Razor Crest, but he's coming. <laughs> oh, the Razor Crest is dead. R.I.P. <laughs> what if he has a new Razor Crest? Razor Crest? No, he doesn't. He'd be like, she's she's irreplaceable. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has to have a new ship of some kind, right? Yeah. What will be interesting here is if Din, which I think is happening, when Din comes into this episode and there's this sort of crossover, what glimpses are we going to get into season three of The Mandalorian that will carry on over? Will we hear anything about Grogu? He's not going to be there because he's with Luke now, but will Grogu be mentioned? Will the conversation come up about, oh yeah, I gave him to Luke Skywalker and will Boba be like, interesting huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's intriguing <laughs> or I, will what? Say, I will say that this episode felt like the perfect opportunity for Fennec to name drop the Bad Batch and right. I'm kind of bummed it didn't happen gonna be real but yeah I do hope that when Din comes back we get to see I don't know something about a Luke Skywalker name drop or something else Seeing how Boba loves like all things that are cute and cuddly, it kind of bums me out. We didn't get scenes of him in Grogu, really. <laughs> Maybe it, we will in the future. Yeah, uh, I can only hope. But <laughs> Boba would totally be sneaking Grogu extra snacks and like so true. cuddles and checking in on him on, in his little loft. In or the... giving him the little ball. <sighs> Sad. He would totally sneak him the little ball. He would all the time. All the time. The thing <laughs> yeah. is, remember, Din still has it. All is well. They will be reunited. Oh Din still has the ball. <laughs> Sometimes I just forget about my deep attachment to Father Din and his child Grogu. <laughs> yeah. Until yeah. it's come up in until it comes up in conversation, and I'm like, oh, I just love them <laughs> so much. <laughs> and I hope that he, and I, and I bet Din has just been using all this time crying. And wondering what the heck to do with this dark saber now that he's the ruler of Mandalore. <laughs> so ridiculous. I, like, I just miss my young son. <laughs> but also I'm a ruler. <laughs> All the tweets have been so funny about that. Like, you know, it's implied that Fennec thinks Jin is muscle, or maybe the dark saber is the muscle, and it's like she's gonna call Din and he's just gonna be like a blubbering mess. And it's like, wait a second, you're supposed to help us in this war against the bikes. Get it together, man. Did in his like breakup era. He's, yeah. He's in his like fluffy robe and slippers and Aww. the helmet's on, but it's the helmet's on, yeah. You remember that great, the tears. That great scene in The Mandalorian where he has Grogu crawl into the back of the ship to fix the wires and he can't fix the wires. Oh my god. And he's like, no, do the other one. The other one. Dude. Doesn't he get like a little baby electric shock? It's so good. And he's like, oh every baby scene in The Mandalorian is amazing. Like, and like just yes. this this conversation here is like I haven't gone down this memory lane in a little bit and it's it's so good. And so to that point, I think it's going to be a little sad to see Din without Grogu when he comes onto the show. And I think that I, maybe they'll hold this over with like a mention of him personally. I, I would really enjoy that. But the question is, so they really gave that away in terms of the musical cue for Din coming or the Mandalorian or something. I don't know who else is going to come. Maybe Bo- Bogodon. I don't know. I, I don't know if Din and her are speaking terms now. They're still. But, they're, maybe they're still battling. Like oh they can't. That's what I mean about like getting a glimpse into season three. Though is that yeah. we are we going to like gasp when a sentence is said about like what has transpired from that point? Probably, and I feel like that might be part of it. Yeah, I think this is something we talked about at the very beginning of the season of Book of Boba Fed of what exactly is our tie-in crossover going to look with the Mandalorian because it can look like a lot of different things. And I like is is Mando coming next episode, meaning we could potentially have, you know, half of the season with the Mandalorian. I think that's really interesting if that happens. I don't know if I think they'll spend three episodes with the Mandalorian or maybe he doesn't hear the call until the very last episode. I don't know. 
But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they do kind of tie these stories together again in the book of Boba Fett, having Boba Fett as the main character, as opposed to, you know, Boba appearing in the Mandalorian. Well, I still think that this story is Boba's like fight for Tatooine, but then also we're taking on the syndicates and then Din's story is the Mandal like Mandalore <laughs> and dealing yeah. with Mandalore because that feels like a a thread that has been dangling for two seasons of the Mandalorian and then it really came to a head at the end with the Darksaber handoff and now this like opposition with Bo Katan. So it it's to me, I feel like those are two two things that sort of work together in this weird way because the syndicates could probably somehow be involved in Mandalore or the restoration of Mandalore or something like that. So Boba being like a crime lord in that sense. And, you know, the thing is, it's like the term crime lord is like a lot of like, neg- <laughs> this is so funny to say, but like, it sounds really negative, right? Like I, when I think about a crime lord, I think about like Jabba the Hutt, but Boba is like reinventing what that means. So I don't know how it's going to all fit in. I just can't wait to find out because I feel like it's going to be extremely cool the way that they tie it all together. And um, I don't know. I feel like on, on this specific show, we could get some people that like in terms of like for this battle that we haven't seen in a while. I'm not sure who it would be. If, if it was, if it's just Din too, that would be awesome as well. So really, really pumped about it. And I think it works, it works well. Well, like I understand why they would do that because that's Boba's like present day friend who helped him out and then they yeah. helped each other out and everything like that. Like it makes sense that at like post Boba coming back from the dead. This is who he interacted with, who has Beskar, just like he does. You know, it's these people who have risen up, I guess. Well, and hypothetically, Din knows what Boba is doing on Tatooine, mm-hmm. too. So it's very possible that they had a conversation at some point that was like, if you ever need me, you know, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. And we know Din loves to plan a hop from one adventure to another. <laughs> he he very much does. <laughs> he says, if if you need something, you can do this one task for me. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the episode. <laughs> I say that all in good fun, okay? Logan <laughs> is like, I'm tired. She's like, I I need to get Din distracted from his sadness at leaving at not having Grogu anymore so I can fight him to kill him to get the Darksaber so we're both coming to help you figure out your stuff Boba and hope that it helps Din bounce back so then I can fight him and kill him and take the Darksaber (laughs) (laughs) indeed (laughs) she just packs Din into her ship and they jet off and then that's it that's the end and then we have to wait till next year for the Mandalorian season three it's fine. <laughs> yeah, all that to say, I think it's pretty clear that we'll be seeing at least Din back uh, on Tatooine at some point before the end of the season and uh, possibly some other people too, but that will be determined at a later date. <laughs> so excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. And maybe we'll get like a joint theme between the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. That would be really <gasps> cool. Wow, that's yeah. a really, really, really cool idea. Yeah, yeah I just unlocked <laughs> something in my brain that's like, wow, must have that now. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and then it would be like any show that's technically in the Mandoverse would have this like interlocking uh, situation. Cool. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. <laughs> we need this. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but is there anything else we want to talk about with this episode before we wrap up? Not particularly. I mean, I really loved it really like high highs for me I feel like it was a really great episode it zipped by super fast and I cannot wait until next week yeah me too I'm very much looking forward to it I hope you guys are too and if you want to talk about it with us online you can find us on twitter at skytalkerspod or our personal handles mine is at caitlin plusher and charlotte's is at clarity we also have our website skytalkers.com our instagram tiktok and facebook page um, are all places you can find us online if you want to talk about star wars with us um, if you haven't left us a review yet on itunes we would really love it if you took a couple seconds to go and do that it helps other people find our show also everyone who has rated us on spotify thank you so much um, it really means a lot 
out to us. And if you listen to us on Spotify or use Spotify at all and want to go and give us a rating now that Spotify has podcast ratings, we would really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who has already rated us on Spotify. Uh, we are super excited to see that we had some ratings there. <laughs> so thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. It was really <laughs> nice to see that. I'm, I'm like overwhelmed by that, to be honest. It was, yeah. it happened so fast and you guys are awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and if you are interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers and how to get involved in our Patreon only discord community. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Angela, Chris, Stephanie, Theo Pio, Jeff, Kate, King, Maggie, Molly, Ian, Rebuild, Joey, Alex, Bailey, Brandon, Daniel, Debo, Derek, Diana, Dylan, Fifi, and Froppy. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.